Welcome, welcome everyone to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. We are sponsored by Alan and Heath, and we are sponsored by RCF. And we want to say a big thank you to those folks. I was actually I like, just go ahead. I like Kyle, both sorry. those folks. I like, you, both you those like folks. Bo- they, they are folks, not companies. They are individuals, and Kyle likes both of them. Uh, <laughs> is, is, that, is that three people? I fuck with both Alan of them, folks. Yeah, the, Alan and R- Heath are actually RCF, two people. Yeah, RCF is just his initials, right? That's the, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like JBL. Uh, yeah. And uh, and uh, I was actually just down at, at, at the uh, RCF headquarters in Edison, New Jersey, last week doing a smart training for the folks down there and had a great time. Uh, very, very fun time. They're passionate about what they do, and it was a great time. I enjoyed it. So um, let's see here. I am joined. We got the full gang tonight. I'm going to go in order of seniority on the show. The, the handsomest, Mr. Kyle Turnside. Hello, what? Kyle. You're the, you're yeah. the senior. you be the I'm, most senior? My no, I'm VP. I, I, I'm VP. <laughs> VP of operations? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Leonard. How's it going? Hello. And Sam Boone. Hi, everybody. Yes. Hello. Yes. She's, she's still here. She's Full putting squad. up with she's, us for this long. She's returned. And uh, <laughs> our I guest this week... She made it a year. Oh, really? Congratulations. Yes. Is it like officially a year? Something like that. I I don't know. I haven't paid that much attention to it. It feels like a year nonetheless. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're right. It was January. I'm older and grayer. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) congratulations. Uh, All right. I guess this week, my buddy Parker Molinix, who... uh, Hello, hello. We just... He was front of house for spirit box and you're out uh supporting ghosts and macedon and parker and i we had a great damn time man i'm gonna say it i had so much fun hanging out with you buddy as did i with as did i with you <laughs> and i'm very glad that you're here and uh we're going to get into this but first before we get too far kyle turn inside what is the coolest thing you have within arm's reach oh man i know i brought some different stuff down here too i know Oh, you're throwing me off, bro. We haven't played this game in forever. I know. I got it. I had to dust it <laughs> off. <man. laughs> um, I got this fine. Okay. So I have a bunch of trinkets. Like I've, I have all the little statues and stuff. But this one I've had since I was a little kid. It's a little Latino dude with a um, sombrero on from Mexico that I think one of my parents' friends got me when I was a little kid. And this thing keeps going around with me. Um, but I put it next to the the robot bank that separates your stuff <laughs> so both these things are probably from the 70s i cannot as, wait to go to kyle's like house myself. one day and just spend the whole day going through your desk and seeing all of the trinkets that are on your desk just lying yes. with them it's it's gross <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of gross things i definitely have run dmc over there a pig um a voodoo doll empty bottles of whiskey i got all kinds of stuff zombie survival guide um Next, arm's length. Are you ready for the zombie invasion? I'm trying to be. I'm getting old. All right. I might just Chris, have him take me. <laughs> just, you well, you got to be the guy that's like, you, you got a leg injury and you're going to wait at the door with a grenade and you're going to be the sacrifice so we can <laughs> we can get out in time. Yeah, It's an important role. It really is. Just go. <laughs> um, Chris, what so, do you got? Uh, I, uh, as I've been digging through older things um, from this other podcast that Kyle and I happen to be doing, um, uh, we were talking about when we graduated and or actually dropped out of high school. Um, turns out that me and Kyle have something in common that we, well, Kyle was kicked out of high school. I dropped out of high school 
Uh, and I, ha- I have my paperwork from my GED assessment test that said, hey, you don't have to take any more classes. You can just go take your test. Um, and that was in 2002. So anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. High school dropout. Try to find mine. Stan? <laughs> oh, um, I have a stream deck and a little KVM that I've oh. been using to like hook up every laptop I own and excessively program macros for everything on Earth that makes me happy. So now everything has color code <laughs> buttons to launch nice. on every computer and the stream deck switches in between computers and a what, whole lot what, of screens. What's the picture behind you? The one with the green on the bottom of it? Oh, it's, uh, the, um, it's the Beatles Abbey Road album. It's a limited edition colored vinyl print. See, I wish that was an arm rig. That's pretty cool, too. And there's another <laughs> the record next to it. The chair goes that far. But the, um, that is a clock, actually. Ah. It's like a cutout. And it's the, it is actually that record cover. And they did like a, like it's like the negative, I guess. So it's the space left. And it's them walking. So it's actually of that record cover. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. I've got, um, this is a piece of sheet music that was actually a prop that was used live on stage on Broadway, Phantom of the Opera, from the, the rehearsal scene. This is the sheet music that the characters are rehearsing from. And I, I love that, that we do they, show and tell on an audio podcast. It's kind of yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have to see it to know that it's cool. So it's cool. You already went, Kyle. No, no, no. Speaking (laughs) of sheet music, uh, isn't someone playing with uh, Mr. Green at the Nashville thing that you guys just Uh, Well, it's not official yet, so we better not say anything. Okay, never mind. But we should mention Nashville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, We're going to be March 8th. We're going to be in Nashville at the Hard Rock Cafe. It's going to be the Signal to Noise 200th episode live, live taping. And we're going to have uh, our resident musician, Mike Green, who has performed the theme song that's been used on every single episode of this podcast since we started four years ago. Uh, Mike's going to come out. He's going to be doing an acoustic performance for us. And he may have a very cool special guest joining us. We're going to have the Alan Heath folks are going to be there. The RCF folks are going to be there. Uh, I hear Wayne Pauly is bringing something big and heavy. Um, So we should have a great time. And it's gonna we we are we've got a uh, chris will put the the information in the description we've got a little event right page so we can kind of keep tabs on who's coming right now it is a star-studded guest list so please come and check it out and hang out with us it should be a good time did i miss oh, anything free. Chris? nope it's free oh it's we free just, we, it's yeah free. we just asked you to register free. i mean obviously if you have to travel there which uh, it, it, for the record it, we didn't expect anybody to travel but people actually are traveling in that's really cool and gracious of you yep. um we tried to pick a place that a lot of people be central to. So uh, if you can come down, I know a lot of people probably can't make plans until maybe a week or two out. That's cool. But it's you know who's time. coming? Daddy's coming. I talked to her this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey, Parker, what you got within arm's reach? Yeah, what do you got, buddy? <laughs> uh, my desk is a mess. The coolest thing with Just arm's like reach is uh, either the Michael's book that you gifted me <laughs> or the packet of laminates that I have. Oh, wow. That's pretty nice. cool. Hey, look at what's, your favorite, what's your favorite uh, laminate in there? Favorite artist that you you worked with? Well, there you go. Ghost is on top. So that okay. was the most memorable one as All of right. recently. Sick. I've heard of them. What? <laughs> oh, man. He had to put up with a couple of us on that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And it was a pleasure. Oh, buddy. <laughs> so, Parker, where are you joining us from right now? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles right now. You got some cool stuff going on in the background too. Tell us yeah, about that. A, what do you got? What do you got there? Uh, really, really nothing. Just a lot of rock wool. So, Shut okay. this room up a little bit, <laughs> so that way I can kind of 
bring my little uh bring the little console in here and kind of just rip some mixes at a moderate <laughs> volume just kind of <laughs> reference when i'm not in rehearsals uh dude spirit box how long have you been working with spirit box um it's gonna be two years in i want to say may is when they initially were supposed to go out with limp biscuit and they did and it only lasted about uh, i want to say like four shows before ultimately it got canceled due to someone in the camp or something like that having (laughs) (laughs) uh, someone ended up getting covid and that's when it was like really bad and kind of you know nobody knew how to get around you know what to do so they ended up just scrapping it and then you know had a month off at that point just wait for the next one but yeah it's been been close to two years keeping me busy what was when you started working with them? Were they already playing arenas, or is it like clubs? Like, has the venue size gone up since you started with the with the band? So they hadn't played a single show as Spirit Box yet. Um, they're a old band called I Wrestled a Bear once that is now reformed into an internet band that was around for like five years, and then once during the pandemic, they got a lot of like wind in their sail, and then this Limp Biscuit thing was their first ever show. Uh, I believe. If I remember correctly, they said they did like one or two hometown shows in their can can oh my god Canada area <laughs> where I think they're from uh, Victoria, so I think that's where the show was. And when they're you Canadian, yeah, yes, yeah. I was going to say they're from the far off mystical lands. Did we get we got in trouble for saying that, right? Like, who was yeah. it? Who, 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 yeah, Max on the show, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> far off mystical lands. <laughs> Somebody Canada. got like, and it's like I'm like 40 <laughs> minutes from the border. By the way, I'm like so close to Canada right now. I can almost see it. And <laughs> somebody got wicked pissed off when we said that. <laughs> Easy with the mystical lens, yeah. buddy. Yeah. I also want to point out that there was a band called I Wrestled a Bear once, and can like a Canadian band. Yeah. They were like I wrestled a yeah. bear. Like yeah. that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm not certain if the because. Uh, both the singer and the guitarist who are now Spirit Box weren't original members, but they replaced members in there and then did that for like a few years, I believe, and then eventually just split off. And then they just were like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do the Internet thing. Ran the Internet they, game for a while and then kicked off. So so let's talk about this. These guys kind of exploded like immediately um, without any kind of... Um, preemption and and even kind of they didn't even have band members set at the very beginning of the thing because i I believe one of the guys from as i lay dying is playing with them or did or yeah he's he's currently playing bass and singing for us now so for them how was it as um an engineer and you also tour managed too right correct so how was it for you coming in and doing this? Do you guys have rehearsals? Did they practice together? Did you get to mix them before you went out? Or was it just kind of like uh, jump in the fire type stuff? How, how did this all work out when you first joined up with them? It was a little bit of both. Um, in the beginning, they had a lot of trust in where I was coming from because I am was fresh out of like working for a bunch of pop artists and stuff like that. So... They trusted the length of rehearsal that I believe they needed for a band that had never really like gotten in a room and played. So they had, you know, about a week in Chicago before we had started that uh, Limp Biscuit run. And we got, I would, you know, they did, there was no budget or anything like that. So I was just rocking 
X32 that had been collecting dust in the my storage unit and whatnot. So we had some chance to do like some pre-records and for them to like listen to themselves. So, I mean, in the beginning it was a lot because it's balancing TMing versus, you know, trying to get there and like figure it out. And then on top of it, Courtney has this insane dynamic where she's a lot of low volume singing and then to just incredibly brutally loud screaming. So she'll do both. Um, with she's, no, a, she's a beast, dude. She's yeah. super impressive. Yeah. It, it's yeah, it's it's amazing to see her rip and listen to her and you know, talk. There's nothing but feedback going back and forth after every show. So even to the to this day, we're adding new things, taking them away, adding new things, you know, trying something different to try and hone in what they want to achieve as a live band. Um, so, you know, it's taken a lot of time, but now that we're, you know, almost two years in, we've probably gone through like four different eras of their, you know, rig as far as like what they're using for guitars or bass or like what elements they brought into drums and stuff like that. So a lot, a lot of dynamic and it's changed so much. So even, even compared to when we went on ghost versus that first little run we did, they're a completely different band. Um, and it's, you know, having people like Josh come in and support Courtney in the singing part and whatnot has helped so much. Uh, they sound so good, like together, so I think it's a really it's a really beautiful combination to have Josh and Courtney along with the other insanely talented members of that band. Uh, Michael is just probably one of the best guitarists I've ever mixed, and then Zev is just easily the tightest, youngest, and most humble guy I think I've ever worked with in my life. So in terms of like this improvement, this process, I mean, when you and I are working together, you're in a support role, so you you don't have a ton of time on stage every day to kind of work through things. And I know there was like one day, I remember like everything of yours exploded. And I don't remember. Yeah. Like, but, but like, I how, love that. How, <laughs> how do you, is there like a, a thing where you're like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to like spend an extra 30 seconds on the guitar tone or like, it, how are you trying to incrementally improve things and you don't have a ton of time to work on stuff? That that's been the toughest part um, is trying to balance, you know, what, I want to achieve out front versus, you know, having to ultimately take care of and support the band on the TM side. Um, so, and with a, such a tight time frame, and just about the second we can hit and hit in and try and get a sound check, it's immediate to doors. So it's hard to hone in. It would be very baby pieces where we would, me and Mike, are mostly the ones who go back and forth with the dialogue of like what we want to change or sometimes Courtney notices things that she really wants to change. Um, but for the most part, it's Mike and I talking a lot about what he wants to achieve as far as, you know, getting them to sound as tight as they can and most like the record, but at the same time, not being so dead set on the record, like bringing in some more elements. So that way it kind of fills out the sound. Um, and so, you know, it's really, really hard to do that in a support setting when you don't have any time to listen through the PA and you're only on ears. Um, so it was very minimal changes, especially through that tour and, you know, previous tours we've done. We haven't really gotten a chance to, you know, we had they have their first headliner coming up. So that's where we're like, you know, really, really excited to hone in that. 
but as for the support it was very like minuscule changes so that way we didn't make you know we didn't blow up the sound too much <laughs> from what we were expecting the night before we're like when we did like db changes on patches and stuff like that they'd be like oh, just like just like 0.05 like just a little bit okay that sounded cool maybe we could bring it up a little bit more <laughs> but yeah but mike mike's really great at knowing what he wants especially you know you know they're only listening to themselves through an x32 on ears but even not just mike but the whole entire band understands what they're looking for um and it's amazing to me that nobody's operating the board to mix through the show or anything like that they're not they don't have the world's best mix in their ears with that and nobody uh, you know focusing on it so it takes a lot of trust between you know what he hears versus what i'm hearing out front ultimately he hears a lot of things where it's just like does that does that even translate and i'm like yeah it sounds freaking ripping <laughs> um and he you know there's again there's, there's a lot of trust and uh, you know that now that we've worked with each other as long as we have, you know, it's easier to have those conversations mm -hmm. rather than in the beginning. You know, anytime you work with a new artist, there's a lot of like, ah, uh, you know, I, you know, they don't know if what you're saying is genuine to what they want to do for their sound. But you know, I'm always looking out for the integrity and of you know what they want to do, and I'm honestly pretty brutal when they don't have good shows or when we don't have not necessarily a good show, but when we don't have like a good, not something I don't like or something that I don't think reflects the, the picture, the image or the sound that they're, they want out front. So I always make sure to be brutally honest because at the end of the day, I can't, I can't sit here and just, you know, I hate, I hate the idea of gaslighting them. Just be like, great show. Uh, they always do this thing at the end of a show where they're just like, I can't get in the green room without them being like, all right, shoot us a grade how do we do today and then i have to i have to just give them the honest answer and sometimes it's not that great and sometimes it's amazing so but it's very it's very rare that we'll get to that a plus only because i truly believe that there are so many elements about that band that could sound even bigger so i'm excited for the next you know year that we're going into this year mm -hmm. i'm really excited to see what we can achieve having more time during sound checks to listen and have everybody come out because I know, you know, just like many other band members, the second they hear virtual sound check hitting back, they're coming out and they're listening and they, you know, that's, that's the moment where they really decide to pick apart what they want to do and achieve. Cause now they're finally getting that like perception of what the crowd is hearing. And that's very rare for them because they've never experienced that ever before. Did it take you a couple of shows to like settle in to, Oh, being in a huge room and having a big PA and uh, you know, that whole just, you know, so when you're in an arena, like even if it's a good show, it's still in an arena, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So is it, did, it, did it, you take a couple shows to kind of get comfortable with that? hundred percent. And, you know, luckily uh, I had been in arenas before, not for long periods of time. Um, I had done uh, like Mar support for a Marilyn Manson. And then I did support for a fallout boy, so it's just like I had I had been in that world before. I knew what to expect. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, I had worked for pop artists that were on Jingle Ball. So I knew what to tell them what to expect as right. far as their ears go and all Ooh, of that. That's a good point, actually. I really like that. Um, like, you know, not just preparing yourself, but preparing the artist. For the, yeah, because, yeah, because it ultimately eats up a lot of my time out front when you're the only audio guy. Um, they'll end up being like, oh, whoa, whoa, something's <laughs> wrong. Um, and I'm just like, 
you know so ultimately tried to prepare them for that as much as i could you know your your mix it's not going to sound tight you're going to hear a lot of washiness all that reverb that you wanted in your ears before you're going to want it out because mm-hmm. it's just it's just going to eat your mix up so you know again they are incredibly receptive and trusting into that because ultimately rehearsals we're sitting there we're taking these things out and it's not the mix necessarily that they want but at least it's something that they're getting used to so that way when they go into that arena they're you know they have that headspace of okay this isn't going to be what we've ever expected and at the same time you know again a lot of that trust just go with the flow on that first day because the first Mm -hmm. day was pretty chaotic um but as far as me you know Luckily, I had a uh, SE who was just super communicative from the beginning. You re- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm going to give it one show and then I'm going to tell him to turn down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred hundred percent. And I and, you know, even even in that situation where coming in too hot in an arena is it's so, you know, it's a uh, it's very eye opening that first day where I knew that a my mix did not translate at all. So, of course, it had to be the closest show to L.A. So just <laughs> just about all their friends came out, their producers and everything. And I'm just like, at front of house, like, this is not it. And I, 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 I only have like 26 minutes to kind of clean this up for tomorrow. But this is not the show. Um, uh, so ultimately, wasn't stoked on that first day. But a huge part of that was, you know, that dialogue with you because previously I had done, you know, these other tours and I've had SEs going in and out of festivals and doing like shows where we drop in, you know, just with other artists and stuff like that. And I know the communication can sometimes be weak or just, hey, here you go. here Here's left, right's up. But a lot of that dialogue before the tour to be like, I don't do this. This is why I don't want to fight about it. First day, here's a bunch of things on why I run this the way I do. And here's a bunch of paperwork on why I do it. <laughs> um, so that helped me get a headspace of how much, you know, you and your team cared and it, how Dave, I believe, uh, at front of house for ghosts was approaching things. Um, and then, you know, the ultimate, that first moment, way too fucking. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I I I can't stress how much, you know, I appreciated brutal honesty on that tour because, you know, in my perception when you're just kind of just trying to clean things up and you are too loud, that's part of the problem is that, you sure. know, you're too loud, you turn it down just literally a few dB and that you know, maybe that first day had I just turned down 3 4 dB where everybody else was at, maybe I would have had that clear cohesive mix right out the gate. But it was more of me just kind of like struggling again to like remember, okay, this is what it's like to be in the room. Last time I was in an arena, even playing first, every single seat was still full. Um, so now not having a completely full arena and having to deal with like a lot of still a lot of the bounce and whatnot, that was a little that was definitely a struggle. And I just kept thinking, you know, if it's a little bit louder, then maybe the bounce goes away a little bit. <laughs> That's kind of the actual logistics of it. I was like, maybe if I just right. blow them away, that'll be the, that'll be but the move. As Dave Davis told me, let's open the back doors and blow all the reverb out. You know, yeah, uh, that type of thing. I, I, you know, for me, I think, and you know, I, I, we had you and I had emailed a bit before we even started production just so we were on the same page and you know 
kind of let you know where I was approaching it from and kind of trying to figure out how you were approaching it and just open that dialogue up. And for me, that was the thing, you know, it's, it's different working with somebody like Dave. I've done 43 shows with Dave uh, or 46 shows with Dave. Yeah. And, and I, I, we don't actually need to talk about those things very much because I know how yeah. he's approaching it. He knows how I'm approaching it. So coming in with, with somebody like you, it was just like, okay, I want to make sure that you know that the door's open, you know how to get a hold of me and you know that I'm willing to talk about whatever you want to talk about, but also I'm going to give you your space to do your work and, you know, then we can chat when you're comfortable chatting. So it was kind of like, you know, I, I don't want to be up anybody's nose, but I also don't want to just leave front of house and have you just be there by yourself and be like, what the fuck's yep. going on? You know what I mean? So I, I, I try to find that medium. Ultimately, that's what I'm really used to is just the kind of SE giving you the giving you the lines, kind of giving you like a little rundown of what it is out there um, and then walking away. And it was really refreshing for someone to be like, you got to turn it down. Not <laughs> not not because it's not because it's necessarily harsh. I remember you saying something along the lines of that is just that metering. It's too loud. You got to look at what the other guys are doing and then coming out. And just still feeling the impact at like 99 dB. And I was just like, that, that is inspiring because my almost my entire career is going to a festival and being blown away at like <laughs> 110 at least in like everything. Um, and then it just being overwhelming and just being like, okay, I guess that like big rock star mentality, it's got to be like, turn it up. So that's where, you know unfortunately uh my head was at going into it where it's just like oh you know these these bands you know i don't know how you know they, they're probably gonna fucking peak it 115 or something like that being that and then the first day i walk out and i'm like oh my god i can hear and everything what is he metering oh my god it's 99 <laughs> <laughs> michael that's what, what, the whole thing right like it's that less is more like you talk about it all the time yeah well i think it's first of all i mean it's so it, it's it's a three-hour show you got three bands. And so for somebody that's sitting there, you can't be at 103 for three hours. You're just killing people. Um, so so even and that was I mean, that that's coming from higher up than me. That's like a management thing. It's just like that we need to just be cognizant over all of what we're doing. But I think the bigger picture is where we have a communication where I can say, hey, dude, we need, you know, let's talk about this thing. And I'm not insulting you and I'm not insulting your mix and I'm not putting you down. Wow. We're just let's talk about this thing. And then if you got a problem with, you know, one day you had a problem with your console or something like that. It's like, Hey, can you look at this? Yeah. Let's talk about it. Like just we're, we're out here for each other, man. You know? Yeah. I, I will never forget that day. Uh, that was a moment where <laughs> my, uh, the little, the, the D lives only have for whatever reason, uh, only have one giga ace. So you can only have, you know, one cat five in there at a time and i don't know what happened you know just wherever it was running uh because it was brand new uh and she shit out real uh maybe like second song and that was probably the most horrifying moment i ever felt in my life where i was just like oh no worries just an arena in complete silence right now and it was you it was only like seven seconds that's the craziest thing and you just looked at me and i was like i don't know what to tell you bro <laughs> yeah i looked at i looked at you and i was just like is this you're like not on my end and i just we, it, it was like we both looked down at my console and saw the same thing the whole thing was just frozen signal was frozen everything across the board was frozen by the time we could look around the back of the console everything was back on and we we're just like uh 
I and then you were like scared to touch it. You were like you were just standing there with your hands in your pockets for the rest of the set. I was just like, well, this show has a lot of automating to do. So I'm, I, I, I don't. I was just like, I'm more horrified of a moment where I have to be like, oh, we got to run a new cat line because there's nothing guest wise for me to use. Um, I, you know, more horrified at something like that than just being like, all right, you know, it sounds pretty good. I'm not peaking. I'm not. I'm not doing the 106 that I was on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> but let's so, talk about backups though you're talking about that cat line right like that's you've got do you guys run backups of everything or do you like have a full snake or how's that work uh, for you guys so in the beginning we were just running the one line and we had the second one run but because of our talkback system was out because the cat lines weren't connected anymore they couldn't hear me over radio to ask to switch the cat lines so now after that i had just kept them you know both cat lines plugged into my D rack. So that way, if one goes out, I'll just turn around and grab the other one as quick as I can. And then during sound check that next day, I made sure that that theory was even a possibility. <laughs> would, it, would, it, would it connect? And what, do I have to reroute things? Because, you know, that was my first tour on uh, D Live as well. So the first time I heard the PA was with the D Live. Um, I didn't get any type of like in, you know, didn't have any other shows with it. Uh, I've learned to love that thing so much. Um, I'm coming from Digico, and I still love those as well. But even even moments like that is just very frustrating. Where you're like, wow, how does an X32 for like a thousand dollars have a redundant, but this beautiful <laughs> piece of work doesn't? <laughs> Did you see that's that's an interesting setup that you could probably do all of that on the D live. You could probably get the monitor mixes in there. I mean, you don't yeah. have a ton of inputs, so you got a ton of room. Is that yeah. something you're looking to do is get rid of the, the two console split in the future? Or are you just like, we're good the way it is and you're just going to leave it or the, the, the ultimate goal is to put that little, little guy at monitors and have someone running that. And even if someone isn't running that, you know, everybody on our team on stage is intuitive enough audio wise to be able to mix it. Um, you know, not again, not to that extent that they might want in the future, but mostly just budgetary reasons of like people we can bring out and whatnot. They're kind of still in that weird phase. It's just like, yes, they are blowing up. And it seems like everybody's talking them about them when it comes to this scene um, of just like hard rock metal bands and whatnot. But they're yet it hasn't reflected certain things like being able to get the big boy crews and stuff like that which is which is tough so i don't have any audio support yet although um, who's your your guy there that runs the lights that dude is insane and i love that guy colton yeah yeah uh, he's dude, cool. man, we had such a good time <laughs> i i love that guy so much i was literally just on the phone with him too what, what a beautiful character and uh just that guy enjoyed every bit of that tour like your ld uh, he loved the crew. He was just, you know, in completely blown away by the show. And when we were on the phone earlier today, had nothing but excitement to know that he was going to be able to see the show at least four more times when we go do the France <laughs> show with Ghost. He's just like, I'm so excited. He he was just every. I mean, there were some mornings where I was like not feeling great because I was so fucking tired and I I got pretty sick at one point. And he was just always like so cheery. And every day he would come out and say hi to me and like the most friendly dude. And he's out of his goddamn mind. And it was amazing. Like I was like, 100%. This, dude, this dude is awesome. You know? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Out of his mind, but the biggest sweetheart in the entire world. Uh, and then, yeah, I, you know, 
ultimately we do have a fantastic little crew that we're running with right now but again hopefully soon we'll be able to expand but to answer your question kind of on that d live aspect i could run front of house or uh, monitors from front of house we just haven't really gotten there because this is the first time we had the d live and mm. i didn't have nearly as much trust in it also a lack of understanding on how it works you know when it comes to just the actual rack itself i from what i understand you disconnect from the surface and it's just the surface and everything else will keep running yeah but the fear that the whole <laughs> show goes down and that i can't just swap over to something else is more horrifying um and then they haven't bought in that piece of gear yet so they're kind of just like let's just you know use what we have right now mm. and then when money comes in will absolutely go towards that because it has the elements that Courtney needs so badly, like the multi, you know, multi compressor, uh, you know, all these, all these like functions that go above and beyond just a little X32 um, that could really, really widen and really help her mix for the places where she's struggling. So it's definitely not out of the realm of question. I would absolutely love to have one at monitors for them. But right now with what they're doing, everything's got to be like quick and flyable. And it is small, flyable. Um, but ultimately, that rack is not very flyable at the moment. There was like like once a week, I'd be like, hey, you know, you can do like a whatever. And he'd be like, yo, really? That's sick. Like, because like, I know yeah, you can <laughs> like exactly it was like it was like that you know i was building a relationship with that little guy for the whole entire tour i was just like do i like this thing is this completely just the wrong way to go you know like we had digicos before and you know they cost a little bit more and now we're being like a little bit more you know careful on costs on this like was this the right move like i see everybody using them but is it for me um and then ultimately you know again having that conversation and getting everybody else's feedback on that board or surface you know was so helpful because there's there were so many things that you taught me that i didn't know and i'm super grateful for that because oh, it just <laughs> it just it just skyrocketed my ability to understand like because again from a tm perspective a lot of it was just and a huge huge bummer on that on that rig is that you can't plug it in you can't open the console and then you can just kind of play with it for a little bit while you're sitting around waiting all day um you have to wait until your whole stage world is placed powered and ripping before you can plug her in and then see what you're working with from the previous night or from whatever show file you had before and with us always wait, waiting for mastodon to get set up you know we ne i never had a moment past sound check where i could plug her in and let you know Right. really really play with it without it having to come out front of house with me and then drag it back and then during that time that i did have a little bit of that you know window was you know where i have to focus on making sure that everybody else is okay so unfortunately that split really hurts me audio wise <laughs> but hopefully i can get away from it <laughs> so i want to i want to talk about my my daughter's favorite artist that you happen oh, to work with that's right I was waiting for it. Yeah, I was waiting for this too. Ooh. So, and I, I look at this timing to see if you might have been at the show that I took her to. So, you, oh, oh. So, sorry, Tate, Tate McRae uh, is the artist, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you come to the TLA show? Yeah. Were you there? I was. That was my first day mixing front of house. Uh, Connor, Connor was giving me the reins. Oh, I was talking. To, okay. So, we did. Yep. We actually met then briefly. We did. I think. We did. I, I thought about it because I heard an episode. 
previously where you said that Tate, oh. you know, you had mentioned her, and I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> I like looked around and I was like, wow, is, is Tate that big that like it's getting his attention? And then I was like, oh, his daughter. Okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Whoa, that's um, so crazy that you were mixing that show. Yeah, because like, uh, um, yeah, because I remember like, and Connor and you got you guys were talking and it was like, like, yeah, it's so hard to like mix over top of these like girls that are screaming on top of it. Yeah, and I was like, I reminded what? you guys, I was like, but you guys did your job, right? You delivered the experience. Like, you can't fight. I mean, trust me, those girls, like, th- those girls were singing so damn loud. I mean, screaming. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's cool. So, how, how was, how, how was uh, she to work with? I mean, I, you know, um, for those who don't know, she actually started off as a dancer. Um, like, so you think you could dance and things like that, and then kind of broke into music. Yep. And so she's heavy into the choreography. So she is dancing and stuff on stage and then trying to mix in the singing. And I think she does a good job of balancing the two. But um, maybe you could talk more about that. Did, did, you, did you end up continuing on in front of house for that for a little bit longer? I, or? I actually didn't. Uh, oh. I literally only mixed that one show. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll break into that a little bit. But for the longest time, you know, for probably almost a year up to that point, I I had started Tate and Spirit Box at the same time. Mm. And somehow their schedules didn't conflict at all, aside from just like very, very little things. So I that whole 2021 to early 2022, constant was nonstop between just the two and then on top of it i threw another artist named olivia o'brien in there um so it was a pretty chaotic year um so spirit box was like my uh only heavy artist so but it was more of like a creative outlet because she was the one i was on the other you know front of house for versus tate i was on the other side of the snake mm-hmm. i was doing monitors and really focusing on her and like what she wanted in her ears as well as you know manning playback so just that sure. kind of role um, and she is so smart. She's so intuitive Seems for like how it. young she is. Like just a girl who seriously has a head on her shoulders. Understand, you know, she doesn't understand necessarily all the technical things when it comes to audio and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the trust with her and I talking to each other the first time and the first few times really just, you know, shot off and it was amazing. Like I really, really, truly enjoyed working on that side of the snake with her. And then front of house, that was my first time being on that side. And that's a little bit of what, you know, no, and no bad words to her because she, again, is amazing and is a amazing performer. I don't even know how you can sing and dance that much in a show, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a front of house guy and a creative, it's almost like ego death where you can never <laughs> you can't you can't hear your mix and everybody's screaming and you can't you can't let it be that big powerful thing that you want it to be you know coming from spirit box where it's in your face like just and right. you know there's a lot of talk on you know how we can make this better versus like a show like that has so many elements and pieces to it that it's like you know it can't do too much past just Sure. Getting the kids to be able to hear. And yeah. it does have that ability, like those elements, but in a in a room like TLA, we're just already so quiet. Um, that was just such a such an eye-opening moment. Um uh but the reason I didn't continue was ultimately because 
I had just had a really close friend who I was the first band I've ever, you know, ever went on tour with properly in clubs and whatnot. The singer had passed away Mm. and he was a close friend of mine. So I, his funeral was like two days later. So went to go see, you know, pay my respects. And while I was there, you know, again, very camp that's very COVID cautious, completely understand that. Um, I ended up getting COVID either Mm. while I was there or in my travels, or maybe I even had it when I was in Philly, but I tested coming back and I wasn't feeling great. And then it was kind of just that reflecting moment when I realized that I had been on the road for as long as I had, and then Mm. I hadn't been home with loved ones for so long that it was a real eye opener to realize that, you know, there was a lot of people I truly cared for that I didn't have or make the time for anymore um because of what we what we all do and how long we're on tour so it was it was the first moment where i finally put my foot down and was just like it's not i can't do this i i need to i need to go home like past past just being sick Mm -hmm. um i really need to spend time and like focus on what i want to do and who i want to see and you know spend that time with loved ones because you know, 11 months of the previous year touring up until Oof. that point, it was just really, really tough. And it's almost, you know, straining relationships and whatnot. And I don't, you know, you got to, you got, I never had a cutoff point before then, before the pandemic or anything like that. So when the pandemic lifted and the entertainment came back, I was like, I'm just going to go, you know, any chance I get, I'm going to take it. Yeah. Versus now I'm a lot more reserved when it comes to the opportunities I have, you know, obviously great opportunity comes along i'm gonna take it um but i i think that was a big moment when i realized i can't juggle two artists that are becoming hot artists that are just being like oh we're gonna do this show one day oh we're good like and just a pop-up show and then it interrupts the other artist i had to prioritize the artist like one or the other and because there had already been this such a huge wave of trust with spirit box I felt like naturally that that's where I needed to go. That's where I didn't feel that's where at front of house, I had that moment where I could be proud, but at the same time, I could still reflect every show and be like, this is what I can do to change it. This is, this is how I want it to impact next time. This is how I want it to impact in the future versus, you know, again, a pop show is it's way harder to get your, you know, sometimes can be way harder to get my, uh, bearings around on like what i can do past all these little girls screaming <laughs> well there's there's something two things in there first i mean i think it's you know obviously kind of a blessing in disguise there obviously what you went through and i think it will uh set you on a different course of life that was it will benefit you greatly and not yeah. just from a work perspective or from a from a home life perspective but i mean i hear you on like the tla club level type of thing like that's where I you know uh, I, I'm either jaded or blessed or whatever that I actually didn't have to do uh, much time in kind of the club scene and and anytime I ever had to like step into that world um, I, I had the same feeling of angst of like this is damage control mixing as opposed to you know yeah. like art right and and I'm not discrediting club level work and this that and the other right hundred percent you know completely understand um, where you're coming from and um and so that's yeah that, that's a that's a thing you have to realize of like what is a value and what actually drives you and motivates you so i i get it a hundred percent but um yeah i i yeah. think you know for me that's a there's a similar thing like 
Um, and it's not, it's not a scale thing as much as just a, you know, I, we, who doesn't want the chance to like be creatively involved in it, even as a systems engineer, like you could argue that's not, there's not a lot of creativity there, but having input in the process, I think is something that makes me feel valued as somebody who's working on something. And so, you know, there's a point in the show where you're like, okay, front of house seems cool. They said they're good. I walked PA is cool. And then you just kind of settle in and, you know, when I was doing uh, Billy Strings, you know, Andy said, hey, man, you know, so if you uh, if you hear something that's poking you or something in the mix, he goes, I'm super open to feedback. So like we have a conversation about it. And so then you're like, that changes the show for me because I'm listening to the show in a different way because now I'm involved in the show. And, um, you know, that was Andy said that the very first show we did together, um, which is cool. You don't usually get that as an SE for an engineer you've not not worked with before where show one. They're like, critique my mix. <laughs> yeah. uh, but. But as soon as I'm like, it's been the doors been open for me to have a voice in in the product that we're creating. I'm like yeah. way more into the, you know like I, it's I'm always I'm always going to go out there. I'm always going to do the best work I can do. But my mental engagement is much higher when somebody's going. Well, let's talk about this now, and let's think. Let's talk about what was good, and let's talk about what we can improve. And you know whether that's something I'm doing with the system or something you're doing in the console, or maybe it's you know we need to change a drum head, like whatever wherever that's coming from. I just I'm I'm finding that as I get older, getting more invested in the product that we're making is the part of the work that's most rewarding to me now. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more with that. Especially when you compare the two between Tate and Spirit Box. It's like you look at the numbers, you look at where they're headed, it's just like they're both headed, you know, they're up. But when you look at the numbers, it's like plat multi platinum records with Tate versus, you know, what I you know, I don't know what's going on necessarily in the back end with Spirit Box, but when you look at like the growth and where it could go, it's like obviously the pop is the way to go, but in a huge way, it told me that I did feel more creative this way because when I heard something that was wrong in the set, I didn't feel afraid to say something. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they they want such brutal honesty and me to be as harsh as possible that I can just we can again a huge amount of trust to just be able this needs to get fixed like. This this is actually creating a distraction to your show. I un- and then have a cr- you know constructive conversation over how to fix it versus you know again and it's a huge when you can bring that to an artist and not just uh, you know a fellow tech or something like that. Mm-hmm. It feels like everybody you know involved on stage, off stage, at front of house. It feels like that there's no rules on conversation. You can you can be honest about everything. Versus, you know, that kind of pop show, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, you know, the guitarist doesn't necessarily care too much to change his tone probably past, you know, going through rehearsals and maybe a few like tweaks when it comes to DB. But when it's like, we need to gut that tone and figure something else out and spend that time, nobody's going to care like like someone like them, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously. Yeah, and everybody's I, different. I think it's a spectrum, you know, and I also think it's yeah. there's a, there's a there's a trust element there that's earned over time for sure. And you know, I mean, it's it's even on like there's a local band that lives there's the guy lives a couple blocks from me, and you know they they play fifty cap, they play a hundred cap, and they're they've been playing for decades. They're in their sixties, and so now they're new to the world of IEMs. They're new to the world of like you know amp sims and stuff like that. It's just not what they grew up with. So there was a lot of adjustment going to those technologies, even though it's made their show so much better, especially when you're in a 50 cap room, that stuff is a game changer, you know, but yeah. um, he would call me up and go, Hey, 
um, can you just come over for a couple hours? And we would put the IMs in and he'd have, you know, his pedal board and we just sit there and mess with the tones and we record it and we listen back and we adjust it. And they're not selling out theaters or arenas or sheds. And that, that didn't really matter to me as much as like, let's do a collaborative thing here where yeah. we can make this better. You know, my skill set and your skill set can come together and we can make it better. And I was like, this is actually what I find most engaging about this is, you know, I, as much as I know that everyone knows I love sitting in my office by myself, staring into prediction software <laughs> for hours on end. No, what I actually, <laughs> what I actually love is, is, is truth. getting your hands in the pot a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I like getting my hands in the pot too, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, whoa, oh. Hi, <laughs> so what you got, I, man? <clears throat> I, I I've just been listening because yeah, um, I, I've just been listening. Um, I I like the approach on it. Uh, I do have questions. I mean, obviously, female fronted metal group. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, I love Arch Enemy. Probably one of my favorite yeah. female hardcore singers is Walls of Jericho. Um, yeah. oh, probably so second good. favorite would be Enslaved to Serve, uh, which are just the brutal of the brutalist in my in my eyes and in, in the forefront of women's hardcore vocals. And uh, how would you explain Spirit Box to someone who's never heard them before? Like, and <laughs> uh, and this is the thing that. I'm a fan of heavy music. Like that that's my jam. Like if I could go out with Converge for the rest of my life, I probably would. If it Oh, oh Kyle, we're gonna play Jane Doe every night front to back. I would be I would do that. In a fifty cap room. Like <laughs> I would do that. And and it, and it's funny to hear because I love mixing in theaters and I don't call it damage control and I don't call it anything like that because I still think that there's an art that can be painted in those venues. And I think for the uh, most part, yeah, metal is, metal is best painted in those venues. <laughs> I'll say I love that shit when stuff's yes, getting knocked yes. over on stage. That's his shit. Me- man. I, metal I, is I, the best painted in theaters and clubs. It is hard praise. to translate in arenas and amphitheaters. Absolutely. I, it doesn't matter I how I, Yeah. Couldn't agree with that more. I've I find myself having the most beautiful, like not, you know, my I feel like I have some of the best mixes when we're in a 2000 cap club. You For know, sure. where the P, the PA is enough, the room is tight, there's not a re- lot of ref- like there obviously there's a ton of reflections, but there's, you know, it's a packed house. It feels good. There's an energy there that mi- is completely missed almost in any oh, yeah. other place we take it like you know the closest setting i can get where i'm like this feels good and even half the time i still don't more than half the time i don't feel that way is that yeah. a festival where there is that pa there is all that energy and still i still have these moments where i'm like i don't think this translate at this translate it, very well and the thing that you're talking about those festivals is when a metal band plays a metal festival everybody gives a fuck yep. nobody gives a fuck about the opener on a headlining metal tour in the states unless you're in europe nobody gives a fuck about it so watching people go get popcorn during your set isn't conducive to a metal (laughs) environment it's about engagement it's about yeah hostility it's about rage it's about frustration it's about everybody standing together and when somebody's leaving in the amphitheater to go get a fucking beer like 
it throws the band off the game too. 100%. Uh, a little thing that, you know, again, Ghost was their first time being in that. And the little games that they would play right before they went on was, all right, how's the crowd looking? That's all right. Uh, let's see how many people have a hot dog in their hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, let's see how, how many people just seem like they're not going to enjoy this from the start to finish. Uh, and it was just little little talks we would have back and forth but just just something of like that where it's just like even just having that headspace of like looking for someone who's eating a hot dog before the show goes on it's almost like i don't even i couldn't imagine you could be that into it granted they i still believe they put on a great show for yeah. what you'll that was it. you'll capture yeah, it um, for sure yeah 100 percent. so it's not like they brought a bad show because they were in that mentality but to me as if i was an artist it would be difficult i couldn't i couldn't imagine that um so i have so. a trick too i have a trick and a friend of mine came, called me on this last tour he was out with a metal band as well and um he was getting stuck in the dv limit zone and uh he he was also getting stuck in the kids singing over the music zone and i'm quite familiar with that um here's a psychosomatic thing that you can pull a trick on and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and this is something that i i would hope people would try and start pushing over the audience is keep it quieter because eventually they're not going to want to sing over something that they can't hear 100%. so actually mixing quieter in a smaller venue when people are singing is going to get people to shut the fuck up way quicker. <laughs> it's 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 amazing that you say that because truly after that ghost run and hearing the impact that I was getting at a lower decibel, yeah. you know, with a fantastic PA and then again a great, you know, a great team setting it up. Um well, I would Lawrence. bring that <laughs> I would bring that to every other show. And I just remember specifically, you know, I won't say names or anything like that. I remember going at that approach at a festival. And that was one of the first days where I was just like, wow, this festival mix, like this is, I, I feel really good about this one because it wasn't like that. It wasn't too in your face. Like it was just enough where, you know, people around you could be talking and you're hearing them without it blowing everybody's face off. And I just remember one of the guys coming up and, I had done a previous festival with him as well. And he was just like, it was, you know, a few buddies around him were talking about how it was too quiet. And he was just like, I think this is perfect. The problem is, is that I'm going up now as a close to headlining band or headlining. Again, I don't want to give anything away of who it was or anything, but he ended up getting ridiculed by his band for it being too quiet. And when I listened to the mix, I was like, this is, I thought that mix was fantastic. Everything was so so balanced and it wasn't overwhelming but you could still feel it you could still feel the energy of it without it being like oh my god kind of thing like that um and i was so i was so hurt to hear that you know that he got ridiculed from people who can't even hear it um but also that i hearing other engineers being like you know as an opening band i was too quiet it's just like i was reading you know 99101 at her real real strong parts and i was just like i just feel like this is this this is right i'm i'm starting to understand how much it helps even for a heavy metal band how much 100 just flatline sounds amazing and how much more impactful the dynamics are when they do hit in rather Great. than you know 
the headroom that You're you mixed- have. Yeah, and, exactly. And, that, and that's the game that you play with the band that ridicules you is you know what part that they get off on. You yep. know what part they want to get off on. Like if you mix the band long enough, you're like, this is the part where they they were sick of being beat up at their lockers. I'm going to fucking give it five extra dB and they're going to feel it. Um, yeah. that That's where the artistry of manipulating the dB comes in, you know, and, and, and there's a, like I said, the other direction is manipulating down the dB to get yeah. people to, to pay attention. And it works. It really does. In some cases it doesn't like, dude, I, I fought that shit for years. I didn't know because yeah. I was young when I was out on from under the court tree tour. I didn't hear the first two fucking songs from fallout boy when I was mixing. Like all I heard was <laughs> other people singing the songs. And one of those yeah. people was me. Like, <laughs> but, but if I had to do all over again, I, I know that the approach now that everyone's kind of, which I'm glad you got to go out with Michael and you've been with these bands that have had, a, a certain kind of level of sound quality that they wanted to present to their audience. And it wasn't just yeah. all out war. Yeah. Um, it, it makes you better. It really does. In, in any yeah. kind of, after you mix metal at that, you're like, Holy cow, I can go get mix every pop band now and just kill it. Cause I can yeah. control this nonsense that's happening on stage right now. I really can. <laughs> I can make sense yeah. of the nonsense. Yeah. Again, it was, it was a, you know, I, you know, not trying to give praise because you're all in front of me, but it was true, <laughs> true, truly, truly a humbling uh, uh, tour. And on that, like, I didn't, I wasn't too aware of the Signal to Noise podcast past seeing stickers on just about every freaking <laughs> that green was, room. That was you. <laughs> Kyle. Uh, I, I always, I always saw the sticker, and I was always like, yes. I don't know what that is. And but I'm not a huge, huge podcast nut, mostly because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm forced to sit down at my laptop and just move on and advance the next show, kind of thing like that. But through this time off, I've you know, let me back up a little bit. I can't stress how beautiful it is what you guys are doing here and what this has done uh-huh. for the industry. Because, and I only say that a because I've learned so much. You know, I I told Michael and maybe even Sam like a few weeks ago. I had like gotten through like a hundred episodes, and I had just every time I had a moment, I would just like throw it on. Um, just because you know everybody's stories are so inspiring and whatnot. Like I just remember one of the guys was talking about how you know he doesn't he has like a three-week rule on the road with his wife and she comes out or he goes there i thought that i was just like see that's like the balance that i need to learn and hearing from other engineers about things that feel unspoken when you you know when you're out there you talk nerd like you're just like this is yeah 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 uh that's that's, that's, that's the impression to me right there But when you get to I'm hear like, that personal, <laughs> but when you get to hear that personal stuff, it's it's really special and it's so crazy because I haven't even done a single tour since that. We've just done a ton of fly shows and stuff like that, and the show has been brought up probably in like a conversation that I didn't bring up maybe five or six times with different engineers and whatnot being like they're like oh you were on the ghost tour like that has like sam and like michael and like that's like the whole like pro sound community right there and i was just like and i was just blown away i was like i didn't even start this conversation like these are people who just straight up and they're like that's that's so cool like i've always dreamed about being on that show so even 
uh, what is it now? Like oh, a few weeks ago when Sam texted me and asked me if I wanted to do this, I literally had to pull over on the side of the road and text back immediately. Yes. Cause I was just like, I'm not, I'm, you know, I haven't been here since the beginning, but seeing what's going on and the discord and how much it's influenced me is just, just huge. Um, and well, going off into that spiel, I forgot what we were talking thanks, about. Thanks, buddy. That's well, really kind. Tell, tell, all your, tell all your friends that bring it up or whoever brings it up that when you're on, we are always all smiles. And that that's one thing. Is like <laughs> This this makes us as happy as it makes you. And having yeah. you on yeah, makes us as happy as, as you, you talking about it. So um, yeah. that's the beauty of this thing is like we are making people smile every time we do this. And it makes me smile that people actually give a shit. Thank you. Yeah, huge, huge influence. The, I'm, the, uh, thanks, at buddy. least from what I'm seeing out there. No, it's so. It, it appreciate. You. Here's the funny thing, though, right? So, like, the, the irony that you, you said ghost and you mentioned, like, Sam first. So, there's this, like, ongoing kind of thing where, like, <laughs> I knew frankly, you were going to fucking bring this up, bro. I knew it. No, God damn it. Him. wasn't me. I, I, I haven't told you about something. That the I, that, that, Wait, so, what? So Brian Maddox texted me um, uh, last week, and I hadn't said you. <laughs> he texted me. He said, um, uh, which he was a former guest and a freelancer of mine and good friend, Discord. All that. anyway, he said I was I was asking a sound guy f- uh, friend uh, if he knew who Michael Lawrence was, and he said, "Didn't Chris have him on his podcast once?" <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. I mean, we Michael, we were just in Louisiana. We were just at a show. <laughs> And I was talking to one of the techs from the vendor for quite a while. And then Sam popped her head in and he's like, wait, are you the Volbeat girl? Like, weren't you just, are you two from Signal and Noise? And I was like, bro, are you kidding me right now? Like, he was like, I was just listening on the way over. So, I don't know. I am unrecognizable, apparently. I am mundane. He looked at, yeah, he was like, were you guest, Were you just a guest on the podcast? And he looked at Michael and goes, have you heard of this? And I was like, it's his podcast. <laughs> I've given up. I don't I give love that. I, I don't give a shit. It's I'm good with it. Like no, it's, it's just it's just funny at this point. Uh, that's that's more than anything. No, it's I it's about. it's interesting to me. I, I mean I say it all the time and I mean it. If I if I stopped doing this tomorrow, I, I nothing changes. I'm you know, it, it's not really about us. It's a community that has grown up around this and the people that you yes. know, I I don't keep an eye on it all the time. I'll be teaching or something and then I'll like pop open Discord. And I'll see like somebody came on with some super obscure question about this comm unit that's stopped being manufactured in 1986. And two other people are like, oh, yeah, you just got to do this. And like the the amount of knowledge and generosity and openness is really inspiring to me. And I think here, what, here. I, what I what I I think we've created is what I wished I had when I was 16, when I was like, I think this is cool and I want to learn shit. And I, you couldn't mm-hmm. find what I wanted to learn when I was 16. I couldn't find, like you said, Parker, like there, everybody wants to talk about their drum mic selection. Yeah. A- every interview with any tour in any magazine, they, they would talk about what mics they use. I don't fucking care. I want to talk about that stuff. Like the stuff that people don't talk yeah. about, like, Hey, this will fucking destroy your relationship with your partner. If you don't, do something about it. Let's talk about yeah. saving money. Let's talk about, you know, there, there are all these aspects that our, our guests have shared that yeah. we didn't even ask them to share and just out of creating a better future for everybody. And it's, it's very, very humbling and it's really cool. So, uh, and Parker, thanks for being here, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Good. I, you know, again, couldn't, couldn't put into words what it means. And I, and I know even talking to those people who I did talk to who had, mentioned that they wanted to be on the podcast so bad it's just like i'm like man these are guys who've been like listening since like episode 50 and i'm like only you know <laughs> i came in at like episode 
111 and I'm already on it. <laughs> <laughs> and ex- and especially when I listen to like half these engineers or half these people like whatever they do like it's it's like I I hear how far especially you know everybody here like you know everybody's careers so you know their resume is so lengthy and it's so impressive and then I'm just like I don't know if I'd deserve the spot yet no but that, <laughs> wait a few I, I, more but years. I think that's one thing we've helped dispel right we've had people of all walks at different lengths of their careers everything from like first year career to you know scovels who've been around for 50 you know 40 some years or whatever the business so it's like and at the end of the day in con like you and i've talked about this um we've talked about this out of camera at, at what space but it's like oh kyle you've mentioned it's like at this point right like you know you're not gonna win a pernelli right and it's nope. like there's these th- there's these things <laughs> in the industry <laughs> no i, I not gonna happen. No, the, the concept no. of that is like not even gonna get a free plate a, of food. Who gives a fuck, right? Like the popularity contest, while it's cool in some ways, and no discredit to people who win those things or whatever. Like at the end of the day, like it, Parker, you are being fulfilled. You're getting to create art. You're getting to do what you love. Who cares how much money you actually make as long as you're surviving all those things, right? But who cares yeah. what awards, how long your resume is, or whatever? And like we've had some people on where it's like the resumes come over and it's like, man, I don't know one artist on here. It doesn't matter. A person has been touring for 10 years and they're, they're fulfilled or whatever. And like everyone has value to bring to the conversation. Um, no matter what level it does, it doesn't matter if you're a list artist or whatever the, the bottom is. It doesn't, well, there's, doesn't freaking there's, matter. A, there's a lensing effect. And this is something I've talked about all the time with Keith Clark, who's our editor in chief at ProSound web. And yeah, Keith. Yeah. Keith. Yeah. Keith, Keith. Oh, by the way, Keith's also going to be at our uh, our live event. So come on down. Whoop, whoop. Um, OG co-host. When, when you get the trade magazine in the mail, and let's say you mix at a church, or you mix at a small club, or you mix at a theater, and you get the magazine in the mail, and there's a million-dollar arena PA on the front. You look at that, and you go, gee, you know, I feel very small and insignificant. I'm kind of on the outside of this thing looking in. But the the, the irony is... That most people who mix sound mix in a church or a small club or a theater. Most, you know, the, the, the arenas are, are the minority. They're the exception. So everybody who is the majority is looking at this little tiny minority and feeling they're on the outside. But it's actually the opposite. So we've tried to do a lot of stuff with Pro Sound Web where we have, I mean, tiny clubs on the cover. And we have little churches on the cover. And we have small local events on the cover because that's what, the, that's what people do. And we want those yeah. people to look at it and go, hey, I'm a part of this. This is what I do. I'm not just looking through the keyhole on on the one percent or whatever. And so I think for me, it's never been about we need to find really impressive, you know, high profile guests to talk to. Um, when we first started our show, that was just you know we went to all the usual suspects. Um, but but very quickly, you realize that that's not what it's about at all. And it's like who's interesting? Who's going to have a cool perspective? And yeah. everyone's got their own path to share. And that's really what's coming to me. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned so much about different disciplines and met people and stuff that, that I didn't even know existed. So I think, again, you know, 14-year-old me, 15-year-old me, who's just decided this is cool and wants to learn some, some stuff, where do you go? And that didn't really exist. And that's kind of been what I'm hoping we're making here. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, Michael Lawrence has made people in our industry accessible by the way he used to reach out. And then we've used the podcast to reach out as well. And we owe a lot of it to him and the, his outlook. Dude, I'm I mean, right even here, from, <laughs> I know even from preach, episode preach, nine, preach. episode nine on it, it's been crazy. Like we're up to 
we, we've got 800 new Facebook friends this week. We've got a ton in Discord, a ton that listen to the show, a ton that come back, a ton that talk to us off air. I, I can't even count the a, a number of friends that I've made that I talk to off air from the show that I couldn't believe that I was talking to anyways. Like, um, yep. and, and it's, yeah. and yeah, thanks. 200 episodes coming up. Bam. Yeah. So come see us. Well, yeah. Come see us in Nashville. Boy, it's going to be a great time. All right. Um, so we got to do some housekeeping items here with you, Parker. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, oh no. Uh, Sam, you want to go first? I feel like there's so Get many the things I didn't even know. Sure. Get the broom. All right, Parker. What do you wish you knew when you first started? Oh, you see, you know, I've listened to so many episodes and I still don't know how to answer this. Uh, and I saw it coming. Um, <laughs> I am consistent. It's kind of my whole gig. Yeah. Hey, good on you. Um, so I guess, I guess from the beginning, if I were to tell myself something, it'd probably be to be like super patient with the industry and my career. It wasn't a, it wasn't a racing game to just get to the biggest artists as quickly as you could. Like everybody around you is doing the next thing and they're, they're, they're like, you see, you just see everybody's post. They're doing this tour and they're doing that tour. And to me, I was always so eager to just jump on the next big thing whether i could literally handle it or not it was just about like get to the next thing get to the bigger thing and i think after a lot of time i realized that that's not important and it is a lot of the creative stuff that does make it really beautiful and having that relationship with artists and having that relationship with so many teams is really special and then on that i also wish that you know if i could make this a two-parter i wish i had known that the whole industry wasn't, you know, a big pissing match because mm. when I first started, I was surrounded around a lot of people who did treat it like that. So it really kept me, it made me really shy when I first started touring where I didn't want to ask that really basic question. Like I'm struggling with my gates. Could you help me? Mm -hmm. Like some, something as simple as that, that really, that really ended up hurting me for a long time because I didn't have that conversation because I was so terrified by the conversations the people around me were talking that if I had asked that at the level that I had been touring, you know, you, like that's the, how did you even get here? And, and I was still with such a baby band. So it wasn't like I was with one of my, you know, it's not like I'm just figuring this out now, like what a gate does or anything like that. But even just being on the road and struggling with it, and whatnot to get a tighter kick or whatever it was like, you know, that that had kept me from so much invaluable conversations with such important people. Um, and I really wish I could go back and go see those people again. Like had I d had my first arena tour been with you with, with you guys and I was still in that state, I would I would be, probably be the quietest person, quietest front of house guy who did want to have a conversation. I, I would think just... that, that mindset is still relatively fresh. I mean, to be honest, I mean, let's let's be honest. Like, I mean, uh, it's um, and it's that's obviously a lot we've been trying to do. I'm not saying we're the ones that have changed that mindset. I think that there's a, a broader thing happening there. But I mean, you're, I think you're still talking relatively within the last five years. That's a mindset as opposed to you know beyond five years. It's it was a pissing match. It was. I'm not telling you a damn thing. It's gatekeeping. It's all those things. So hundred I mean, percent. You know, well, that's, that's the that's, don't look at my settings. That's the metaphorical. You know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely yep. started with a little bit of that. I mean, it's why I, it's how I ended up here is nobody would, was able to or willing to answer a lot of my questions. So I just was like, all right, we've got to go figure it out. 
We got you, Sam. Yep. Yeah. Well, good on you. You learned that very, very early compared to me. <laughs> I wish I, ha- I wish I had that, you know, ability, you know, back then to have reflected and been like, you know what? Screw these people. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out. But instead, I was just like, there must be a reason why they're not telling me. It's maybe because I need to do my homework or something. And then I would just sit on YouTube or, you know, listen to things like this before I had known it was out. Um, to try and re-inspire me to have that conversation. And it, and it took touring enough to start being around the bigger heads who didn't care, who were just like, you're not taking my job, so what does it matter? Here, go ahead, yep. run, through the, run through my entire console, see what I'm doing. I would see Dave every single day poke at both of our consoles. Just, just look over it. Just fucking just go through every <laughs> single setting and look through. He's just like, and never said a word. Never said we. I mean, maybe because he was just has the most hardcore accent um, <laughs> that it was hard to tell what he was saying sometimes. So the conversation was skewed a little bit. Uh, he just, but that's the guy right there who's been doing this forever and is still a student and he's still curious yeah. and he still wants to learn and he'll still shoot me a text sometime and ask me a question about a console because the the, yeah. the guy's just into learning about it, you know. And and I totally respect the shit out of that. Yeah, and it's being around people like that that has you know, kept me inspired to opening the door to a conversation, whether it be the most intimidating engineer I could imagine, I'll still try and get them to smile a little bit. And then once I hear, hear a joke, you know, I'm going in for the geeky <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, all right, Parker. So we're all going to come out and visit you. You're going to take us out for uh-huh. lunch of your choosing. Where are we going? See this one naturally. My my home, and it's nothing special, is Cheesecake Factory. Oh, dude, I love it. Fucking love that spot. But if I'm trying to think of something local and Thanks. cute, cool area, I, I'd say Joey. It's like one of the best steaks I've ever had, uh, and it's in Woodland Hills. It's just a not. It's a cute spot. Very like not too hoity-toity, but enough to dress up. But it's it's good. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Michael, yeah. do, you, do you have a collared shirt? Do you can, can do you dress up at all? <laughs> I do own a collared shirt. Yes, I, I call it oh, the okay. Wayne Polly oh, cool. shirt. Yes, I just like this <laughs> is Michael Lawrence. Company logo. On. Don't worry about him. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> no, I, I do, I do have a. Uh, I listen, actually, you know, we'll talk about things you learn from people. Uh, that's one thing I learned from Wayne Polly is he always there's a nice dress shirt at, at front of house and for the show he purchased sure, he sure. looks you know because I I dress for comfort man I do you know they're long days and you want to be comfortable and but I thought that was very classy. And so since I saw Wayne do that, I always, I changed before the show and I look yep. presentable during the show. And then I changed yep. back. To I had a show shirt. Yeah. Yep. I had um, a show shirt. You keep it in my box. It's just for show. Exactly. Uh, all right, Chris, hit him. All right, Parker, you should know this is coming at this point, but uh, yeah. if, you, if you could define your legacy, <laughs> if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? And again, still, still don't have an answer for it past, you know, I guess, you know, I just I guess I just want to be known as a kind-hearted person that can have that conversation that I always wanted to have at front of house, whether it be about your family and how tough it is on the road or if it's about that geeky stuff. I always wanted to make it feel like uh there is that ability to talk to me. Um and you know, I want I want to encourage the conversation being spoken. And as harsh as I look when I mix, because I have been, <laughs> I have heard it time and time again. Where it's you just got, like you I got can't RBF? walk. 
Yeah, hundred percent, one million percent. People are like, "You yep. look, you look pissed," and I'm just like, "No, I'm just in it." But you could come up to me and be like, "Oh, what's up?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, and you know, just that, I, I just want to be, you know, known for someone who can spark the conversation, but at the same time, is just good and humble and does what they love best and is good at it which is having that creative outlet of mixing front of house it's awesome so we're oh, yeah. we're to like 189 episodes it's 189 yeah yeah um, and i believe you guys can correct me if i'm wrong because i always am um or at least half wrong you're one of the very first people the person that we had on that said patience and i respect that one million percent I think that's the first time I've gotten that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard that on our show, and I respect that one million percent. Yeah, it's it's tough to have it, especially when you're when you're just that little baby engineer, and you just want to crawl your way up or climb your way up as quick as you can. It's just like it's not about that. It's it's about enjoying the journey because I had rushed through a lot of it, and you know I wish I didn't. Mm -hmm. I wish I had gone a little slower. So something I heard. about eight to 10 years ago before I started working for manufacturers was don't wish your time away. You know, don't wish, don't, it's almost like the nine to five thing, you know, don't wish for Friday to come Yeah, because you got to live all these days in between it. And I think that goes for our industry as well Is like, um, you got to take each show like they're each show. And then when they're done, you can put them away like a baseball player, you know, Hey, we didn't do so good that game. Let's go on to the next, but you have yeah. to live each day and and be patient about it. Um, if you live with anxiety through it, it's probably not the right thing for you. Or you got to learn how to deal with that anxiety. There's another thing that comes up. 100%. Yo, so there was something that I was talking to a friend of mine about, and and they don't really necessarily work in this industry, but we were having this conversation. They're like, "Man, you you seem to really enjoy your job and enjoy you know your specific role." And I kind of explained for me, like learning that I don't care for mixing is basically learning that you can have, like, you can enjoy the show. You can sometimes even enjoy like the stress or the, um, maybe not stress, but certainly being caught up in everything, the adrenaline of it, right. You can have this rush, you can enjoy the ride. And for me, like being able to enjoy the stress without the anxiety is how I knew that I was in the right role. Boom. Agree. Damn right. Mm-hmm. Because being, you know, for me, being that mix engineer, being a front of house engineer is so anxiety inducing. Like I just, it was not enjoyable. Like I am perfectly capable of it and have, but I have a zero desire to do that versus I can look at 200 boxes of PA and be like, this is going to be fun. You know. The opposite for me. <laughs> me too, I'm with you, Parker. <laughs> I'm like, okay, where's, I'm where's catering? Where's catering at? Come back. <laughs> and these things are off the ground. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Parker. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. It truly was an honor. And hope one day I can be back. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>